Will Jeff Akuda return in week three to exact his revenge on his former team, the Detroit Lions? You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, everyone, to another illustrious episode of the Locked on Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked on Sports Atlanta, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. It's the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL or use code in all lowercase locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. And guys, if you don't know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, your very humble host. Formerly covered the Falcons for many years over at Falcfans.com. RIP still going strong here on this illustrious podcast. You may also know me as Sirius Black, Mr. Holier Than Thou, and Mr. Drew. My friends call me Negative Nancy, but you can call me Mr. Drew. But you can become one of my friends by becoming an everydayer of this illustrious podcast, making it your first listen, first watch. And all you got to do is subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episode as soon as it is available. So this is a bonus extra episode that I'm recording Wednesday night. You're probably hearing this Thursday afternoon. Uh, in addition to the normal crossover that we recorded with Matt Derry of Locked On Lions. And I told you earlier this week, I got a chance to talk with Brad Spielberger of Pro Football Focus about the Falcons 2-0 start. And we'll get to that conversation at the end of today's episode. But I kind of wanted to take a little bit of a deeper look into the Jeff Akuda Cordero Patterson potential returns in week three against the Lions. We kind of only touched on it briefly uh, in the crossover with Matt Derry uh, on yesterday or today or whenever you're listening to this podcast. So let's get into that, right? As far as, you know, again, recording this Wednesday night, uh, both Jeff Akuda and Cordero Patterson were full participants in practice on Wednesday. Uh, Patterson wasn't even technically on the injury report, so that means he's pretty much good to go. Uh, and, you know, as I think I noted in that crossover, you know, we've seen this trend now with Patterson and Mike Hughes. When they missed a chunk of the summer, there was like a two week ramp up period for those guys fully participating in practice, which is why I believe that we will see Cordero Patterson play this weekend against the Detroit Lions, but probably not Jeff Okuda. Now, let's look at that timeline with Mike Hughes and Cordero Patterson. They were first reported to miss practice with their reported soft tissue injuries way back on August 13th. We later learned that Hughes's soft tissue issue was a hip flexor. Patterson was dealing with a thigh injury. And then we saw Hughes's first full practice back was the Wednesday before week one. So September 6th and Patterson's was last Wednesday. So September 13th. So in that case, Hughes missed about 24 days of practice. Patterson missed 31 days of practice. Now Hughes practiced fully for the entire week one, but was a healthy scratch against the Panthers. Then he got another full week of practice in week two. And we did see him play against the Packers. Patterson's first practice week we saw him last week be a healthy scratch and this week we are assuming he'll also get another full week of practice which again based off of this precedent and this pattern puts him on track to play against the line line so clearly the pattern is with these guys missing as much time as they did during the summer there's kind of a two-week ramp up period for those guys now let's look look how that applies to jeff akuda he got injured on i think august 5th um, and while we did see him return on a limited basis in practice on September 13th, you know, that basically means he missed 39 days of practice uh, and basically, you know, a week more 
than what Patterson had in two weeks more than what Hughes had. So theoretically, that could mean that the ramp up process for Jeff Akuda could be a little bit longer than the two week, theoretically. Right. So it's possible that Akuda could practice every day this week as well as next week and still not suit up for the Jaguars. But more importantly, I do not expect Jeff Akuda to play this weekend against the Lions. I could be wrong on that. Right. You know, I did get the Packers prediction wrong. And, you know, based off of that, that probably means, though, it's probably going to be like a, what, another year before I get anything wrong. Um, so humble. I'm, I'm joking, guys. But, um, you know, I, I think it's unlikely that we'll see Jeff Okuda in this Lions game. I think it's more likely that we'll see him in the London game against the Jaguars in week four. But it's even possible that we might not see him then. And they may wait another week because of the prolonged absence that he had compared to Hughes and Patterson. And we might not see him to week five against the Texans. Who knows at this point in time? So to recap, I think it's very likely we see Cordero Patterson get his first action against the Lions this weekend. I think it's unlikely that we're going to see Jeff Okuda against the Lions this weekend. I think at best it's probably a coin flip at this time. So we'll see about that. But, you know, maybe the revenge game element increases the chances we see Okuda at an earlier timeline than what we saw with Patterson and Hughes. Um, or maybe it decreases it because, you know, they don't want to necessarily have him too amped up and, and ready to go. So we'll see. We'll see. So if Akuda is out for another week, does that mean the Falcons are going to roll with Trey Flowers or possibly Mike Hughes as that starting cornerback opposite A.J. Terrell this weekend against the Detroit Lions? And which is their best option? We'll break that down as we continue today's Locked On Falcons. So we are sponsored by Prize Picks, who have a fun and quick way of playing daily fantasy. It's simple. Just pick two or more players. And based off of their projections, you're not going up against other people. It's just their projections. You pick more or less on their projected stats. It's quick. It's easy. And you can win up to 25 times your money. The more entries you put in, the more money you can win back. And you can get that money back quick. And, you know, the Bijan projections keep going up each week as he outperforms them. This week, 70 Point five rushing yards, more or less, 99.5 rushing and receiving yards combined, more or less. And, you know, if you feel like, hey, I'll go more on Bijan, maybe you double up by going less on Tyler Algiers projections, whatever you want to do, have fun with it. It's all why Prize Picks is the number one daily fantasy sports app. And to play, you can enter uh, by going to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use the code locked on NFL in lowercase for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and promo code locked on NFL. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Now, Jace Medical provides us with the Jace case, which includes five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. And you're probably wondering, why would I need to stock up on antibiotics? I can just go to the doctor. But, you know, we live in a hectic world, guys, right? You never know when the next supply chain shortage or natural disasters or, or pandemic is going to hit. You don't want to be stuck without access to these potentially life-saving medications, and so it doesn't hurt to be more prepared now than ever. And I know personally, I deal with sinus infections, ear infections, a bunch. And Jace Medical makes getting access to these antibiotics simple, easy. Fill up a sim, fill out a simple online form, and you get those potentially life-saving medications sent directly to your door. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. And you can save more than $360 by getting these life-saving medications from Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using the code locked on at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com 
promo code locked on. So the question is, should the Falcons bench Trey Flowers this week? And I think if you're asking, should they do it? I think the answer is yes. Will they do it? Probably not. Now, as I noted earlier this week, Arthur Smith did give Trace Flower, Trey Flowers, I'm sorry, a vote of confidence when he was asked about his performance against the Packers. Um, I don't know how meaningful that is because we, we've seen a pretty consistent pattern with Arthur Smith. He doesn't throw his players under the bus. He doesn't even throw former players on the team that aren't currently on the roster under the bus, right? When anybody was asking him questions about what he thought about this year's team being better than his previous year's team, he would never even acknowledge that reality that he had better players on this year's team than he had on previous years, right? He would never say, oh, this year's team is better. He would basically say this year's team is different, right? We all know that this year's team is better, right? But he wouldn't even acknowledge it. He's like the dad. It's like, oh, I love my kids equally, right? I don't love one more than the other. They're all, I just love them in different ways. That's, that's kind of what Arthur Smith is. So, you know, I think basically I, I say that because I think it's going to take a lot before Arthur Smith throws a player under the bus and, and does not give that player a vote of confidence when asked about him. So that vote of confidence, basically I'm saying probably should take it with a grain of salt. However, I do think it's notable that I do think we can say with some degree of confidence that the leash is shorter on Trey Flowers because we did see him get pulled for a single play last week, right? Now it was one play, one snap, right? To, to close out a drive. Um, but I think that's pretty meaningful, right? Certainly more meaningful than anything Arthur Smith says post-game voter confidence or no. Um, and one of the things we noted on the All-22 last, this week, I'm sorry, against last week's opponent, the Packers, you know, the Green Bay seemingly made that halftime adjustment to go after Flowers whenever they saw the Falcons in man coverage. And my concern is future opponents like Detroit are not going to wait till halftime to make that adjustment. They're going to do that from, you know, Jump Street. Um, and I don't expect the Falcons to try to hide Trey flowers by going away from the man coverage. I know after week one, I said it was going to be a while before we broke down the coverages on our all 22 breakdowns and whatnot. And, you know, that doesn't really apply to man versus zone. It's more me trying to understand the nuances of what different zone coverages are primarily cover six. Uh, you know, the Falcons have not really played really any cover six over the last, you know, what, five, four, five, yeah, four years four years that I've been charting the defense, you know, I could count on one hand how many, so I'm, I'm not as familiar with that. And I've been reaching out. People have been helping shout out to that person. You know who you are, uh, who helped me on that. But I can say with some degree of confidence is if it's man or zone, right? It's just the variations of the different zone coverage that have been giving me some trouble with the charting uh, this year. And, and week two was a little bit easier um, than week one, because I think the Falcons were a lot more basic uh, in what they were doing. Um, but based off my charting so far, the Falcons have been playing man coverage 64% of the time versus zone coverage 36% of the time. Now, I doubt the Falcons maintain that rate of man coverage for the rest of the year. You know, that number is almost certainly going to dip closer to 50% and possibly even below 50% by years in. But you got to remember, you know, even if it gets down to like 45%, right, that's still relatively high com comparatively speaking in the NFL right? The average NFL team, according to certain, you know, depending on who you ask, but we'll go with sports info solutions. Cause that was the first thing I saw when I Googled it, the average, uh, rate of man coverage last year in the NFL league wide was 34%. So again, 45% is significantly higher than what the league average would be. And, and certainly 64% is nearly double what the league average would be. So for that reason, I don't think, I think it's clear that the Falcons are a man first defense, right? 
And because of that, I do think Mike Hughes would give them a better specific matchup in this Lions game than Trey Flowers would be, right? Because I think the Lions have sm- more smaller, quicker receivers. Amon Ross St. Brown being most prominent of him. I know he's not necessarily a guarantee to play this weekend due to his injury, uh, toe injury or whatever it is. But the the difficulty, I think, with the Lions receivers, even if he doesn't play, Khalif Raymond, his likely replacement is a, a really fast guy. The Lions move their receivers all around. Like Amon Ross St. Brown used to be like a slot only guy, but now he's about 50-50 slot versus outside. Marvin Jones is their bigger wide receiver, and he would be the guy that you would probably prefer Trey Flowers going up against given the size and physicality, but they move Marvin Jones all around the formation. So it's not it's not easy to match up with the Lions receivers because they're always moving these guys around. And when, you know, if it was simply Marvin Jones is parked on, you know, on the outside, then I could make the case Trey Flowers would be the better matchup against him specifically. But because they're constantly moving all these guys around, you know, you you may get a lot more of Trey Flowers versus Josh Reynolds or St. Brown or Khalif Raymond than you do Marvin Jones. And, you know, I, I think Trey Flowers is decent against size, but when you get these smaller, quicker guys that, you know, can move, he really struggles against those guys, right? He doesn't have great change of direction. He doesn't have great technique or anything like that. And we've seen that give him problems time and time again, not only in the summer, you know, we're not even counting the Tyreek Hill rep, you know, that went viral on Twitter. Like that's Tyreek Hill. We know that like that doesn't count. Um, But like, you know, Romeo Dobbs is giving you trouble. Samari Torre is giving you trouble. Like, you know, (laughs) not everybody's Tyreek Hill. You know what I'm saying? So, And I say all this not to throw Trey Flowers under the bus, right? Because I think Trey Flowers has a role with the team. I think the team has a vision for Trey Flowers. And that vision is as a dime defender that matches up against tight ends, right? You got to remember Trey Flowers was a safety in college. Now he got drafted by the Seahawks and they tried to convert him into an outside corner. It did not take, right? Then they wound up cutting him after three or four years. Then Cincinnati picked him up. And basically turned him into this tight end eraser in their dime defense. And he worked a lot better as a part-time player than rather a full-time outside corner, right? And I think that's exactly what the Falcons intend for Trey Flowers. I hope that's what the Falcons intend for Trey Flowers. You know, I think you should learn from a good defense like the Bengals versus a bad defense. No offense to the Seahawks, right? But those years when Trey Flowers was there were not great years for them defensively. You know, and so you're like, oh, we can do it better in Seattle. Like, I don't think that's what the Falcons are doing. Not to mention Trey Flowers is also a very good special teams player. So even if he isn't contributing regularly on defense, he can still contribute to this team each and every Sunday. But in order for Trey Flowers to play this dime role, you need Jeff Akuda, right? Now, as we wait for Jeff Akuda to come back, I think in the meantime, it makes sense to me to play Mike Hughes, right? The point I'm trying to make is, is I don't think it's Trey Flowers' fault that he's struggling. I think he's basically been square pegged as something that he has proven over the course of, you know, basically six years in the NFL that he is not an outside corner. Right. But I get why the Falcons try to fit this square peg into a round hole. Right. Because they again, they like to play a lot of man coverage. They like to play a lot of press man coverage and Trey Flowers with his size, his length. You know, you like that a little bit better than some of the smaller corners that the Falcons have, you know, besides A.J. Terrell. But 
I think that experiment it's done. I think the leash should be shorter. I think it's time to, to turn to Mike Hughes. I think he matches up a little bit better. And if we have one week of Mike Hughes, I think he's going to be much more likely to give you league average starting play because that's what Mike Hughes was in his one full season as a starting outside corner in Kansas City back in 2021. He basically gave them league average starting cornerback play, right? And I think that's worthwhile for the one possibly two weeks that we might need that until Jeff Akuda comes back. So I'm not trying to sit here and say, oh, Mike Hughes is going to be this massive upgrade, but I think he can give you at least something closer to league average. I don't think Dre Flowers is going to give you that, right? So we'll, we'll see how that goes, right? You know, maybe the Falcons start Trey Flowers, short leash. If the Lions go after him early and he's struggling, you pull him for Mike Hughes, or, you know, you just sort of, See how long that goes before. But I, I think the Falcons, the leash is shorter. And the Falcons, if they're not completely ready to bench Trey Flowers going into week three, they should be ready to potentially pull the plug, you know, at some point in this game, right? Um, if he pr- continues to be the sort of the weak link in the chain, right? You know, the chain is only as strong as your weakest link. And I think Trey Flowers has shown over these two games that he is the weak link in what the Falcons want to do schematically on defense. Now, it doesn't mean that he's going to always be that. Again, once Jeff Akuda comes back, now we can start to get Trey Flowers. Because I think Trey Flowers is a better fit covering those tight ends than Richie Grant or Jalen Hawkins as that dime safety, personally. So we'll, we'll see how that goes for Trey Flowers. He's still very salvageable in a very specific role. I'm just saying, like, I think the role the Falcons have him in is not that role. But we'll see how that goes, right? You know, we'll talk more about the Falcons, who certainly don't look like a wink, weak link in the NFC with their 2-0 start. So we'll get into a conversation with Brad Spielberger of PFF to wrap up today's episode, look at some of the PFF grades, add some additional context to the Falcons' hot start this year. We'll talk about Ritter. We'll talk about Bijan. We'll talk about the offensive line. We'll talk about the defense. All that coming up to wrap up today's Locked on Falcons. So we here in Atlanta believe in positionless football and bird dogs is the Bijan Robinson of clothes. It's the versatile. It looks good in any formation for any occasion, right? Whether you want to use them as swim trunks at the beach, you want to head to the gym, you want to lounge around the house, or you can use them on date night, whatever you want. It's the incredibly versatile product of stretch khaki shorts designed to fit slimmer because they invented a cloud knit fabric that looks like khaki but stretches to give you that slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. And they use anti-stink sweat-waking fabric that's going to keep you cool and dry all day long as you go positionless in life. So go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNFL or enter the promo code LockedOnNFL at checkout for a free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order. That's birddogs.com slash LockedOnNFL for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. All right, everyone, welcome back to another illustrious episode of the Locked on Falcons podcast with an illustrious guest, none other than Brad Spielberger, the cap guru over at PFF. You can also check out his stuff over at Over the Cap. Brad's been on with us several times this offseason talking about the Falcons, and now the Falcons have gotten off to this 2-0 start. So, Brad, what are your thoughts on the Falcons' uh I don't know if I would say hot start to the season because it hasn't been the prettiest 2-0 start compared to some of the other teams, but certainly I think performing above a lot of people's expectations. 
You know, I think particularly on the defensive side, I mean, I was a bit of a doubter, not that they would get better on defense, but maybe how to what degree they would get better on defense. And obviously, you know, going up against a, a rookie debut, Bryce Young, and a, I don't know, fifth start for Jordan Love. But nevertheless, I mean, the Packers look good in week one uh, against the Chicago Bears. Uh, and you have David Onyemata is balling out right now. Jesse Bates, obvious three. Three turnovers at this point. Caden Ellis has been kind of that Swiss Army knife we saw to close the season in New Orleans. You know, Ryan Nielsen clearly knew what he had in him coming coming over. So I think that's the most encouraging thing for me is we'll see the step up in competition. We'll see how they do against better offensive units. But but you know things are translatable. It's not all fluky. They're playing very good on defense. Um, and, and obviously you know the Bijan Robinson show uh, is enough so far on offense. Yeah, you, you mentioned some of those defensive pickups, and it, it does feel like a lot of the guys that they signed, Jesse Bates, David Onyemata, Caden Ellis, uh, Calais Campbell's probably not to the degree of those guys, but we've seen him make some impact plays against the run. Um, so it does feel like the Falcons' money was well spent this offseason. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, Onyemata, I think in particular, you know, you got a little bit of a discount maybe just because he had the suspension last year, you know, kind of a down year for him even when he did return. And now you look through two weeks, he's our second highest graded interior defender behind only Chris Jones. He's second in pass rush win rate behind only Chris Jones. Uh, and I want to say he's top five in like defensive stops and tackles for loss against the run as well. Certainly up there in those metrics. So he, he's been exceptional. Um, Ellis as well, too. It's, it's, you know, he's an interesting one. He basically did not play throughout his entire rookie deal until the last like seven or eight games last season when Pete Warner went down with an injury. And, and I think when you look at scenarios like that, the Saints have an awesome linebacker core, right? I mean, Demario Davis is still one of the best doing it. Uh, Pete Warner is a very good player. They've had some other pieces over the last couple of years. So it shouldn't be like a glaring red flag of like, why was this guy not playing? He's a seventh round pick in, in a really good depth chart. So um, he's been awesome too. You know, the deal obviously, you know, was a little bit big coming out, but if he plays like this, the deal is a bargain. And lastly, obviously you spend top of market for Jesse Bates, but two interceptions, a fumble, a forced fumble, you know, has allowed, I think, four receptions on the year. No less than, I think, one or two receptions on the year. Uh, you're, you're getting your money's worth on that one as well. Absolutely. Now, uh, let's flip over to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, noted PFF has Desmond Ritter tied with Bryce Young for the most turnover-worthy passes in the league through two games with five. Um, any insights that you can share on that front? Yeah, so, you know, just uh, in terms of the actual metric itself, the biggest example, obviously, is going to be, you know, dropped interceptions, right? You know, we obviously want to grade the same fashion. Whether or not a DB makes the play shouldn't really, you know, be indicative of, you know, the interception happened or it didn't, yes, but the throw could have been picked off. There's been a couple of those. I think underrated in that stat as well is sometimes a sack or potential force fumble, even if it was a fumble that was recovered by the offense. And, and off the top of my head, I'm not sure that's happened. But just you know, as an example, that also would fall into turnover-worthy plays. And so you might see that and say, well, I, only, I haven't seen that many bad passes, but that would fall into that category as well. I mean, look, when, he, when he's been asked to throw downfield, it hasn't been particularly pretty as of yet. I do think in week two against a good Green Bay Packers defense, you saw some more comfort. I think you also saw him trust his legs a little more and, and escape the pocket. And, and also, obviously, they've been designing some runs for him. I think the process is slowing down a little bit. It's getting better. Well, you know, he needs more time. But, yeah, it, it hasn't been a pretty start, you know, out of the gate. Yeah. Now, one player who has gotten off to a great start is Bijan Robinson. Uh, and we last time we talked, Brad, in the preseason, we talked about how Bijan's uh, elusiveness and his ability to make guys miss in college is translating pretty well in the preseason to the pros. It looks like it's translating pretty well 
in uh, in the regular season as well. I think that was fully on display against the Packers. Any additional thoughts on, on Bijan's start this year? I think the great thing with him is not only as a runner, I mean, we're going to see highlights of him, you know, making cuts in the hole and, and making guys look silly every single week. But, you know, it's not just that he's a good pass catcher, can run good routes, all those things. You think about the screen pass that he had for a touchdown. He immediately made a guy miss, right? Like it's so hard. I think even for receivers, we see, you know, focus drops where they're already thinking about the first move they're going to make once they catch the ball and they don't catch the ball. His ability to haul it in and then immediately be able to make a cut, make a shift, make guys miss. It's as good as any running back I think we've seen, you know, in a while. It's already Christian McCaffrey-esque, you know, et cetera. So, I mean, yeah, he, he's been as advertised. I think he's already comfortably a top five running back in the NFL. Yeah. Now, uh, speaking more about the the Falcons offense, their offensive line has not gotten off to the greatest start. It, it seems like it's a repeat of what we kind of saw last year where they were one of the best run-blocking units in the NFL, but left a lot to be desired in terms of pass protections. Any additional insights you can add there? So, again, I think you look at the opponent. Um, Carolina, maybe not a loaded front all the way across the board, but Brian Burns is a very good player. And Derek Brown, you know, quietly, I think, last year ascended into, you know, this is why this guy was a top 10 pick. He really had his way with Lindstrom on a couple reps in that game, you know, in pass pro in particular. But like you said, they're obviously going to, you know, clear massive rushing lanes. They are, you know, predicated on that being the value add. I think they'll get better over time. I think it all kind of folds into the offense. Also, just working more and more with Desmond Ritter as well. I think that will improve. It has been great, but I think it will get better as time goes on. Um, you know, it, it's a good unit, and obviously, they're very good at what Arthur Smith really cares about and wants to pay for. Uh, so it, it'll all come in time. I I agree with that. But uh, any any additional thoughts on, on this Falcons team through two games? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, mentioning kind of the strength of opponent and that as well, like it's one thing if they would have barely beaten the Carolina Panthers by a field goal, right? Like it was a resounding, like clear victory. They could have maybe scored some more points or whatnot, but it's good to when people start, you know, making excuses or, or you know, schedule adjusting, which, you know, to a degree is fair. But like for, for the Eagles last year, for example, I think going into the playoffs, a lot of people were saying their strength of schedule was the easiest in the NFL. We had it as the easiest in the NFL, which is true which matters, but they weren't winning one score games. They were blowing teams out of the building. So it's like, yeah, they're playing bad teams, but they're also destroying them in these games. That matters. That's meaningful. And Green Bay does not fall in that bucket. I also would say, too, Green Bay, great defensive line as well. And you're down 12 points in that game, right? You had to come from behind, which when your team is predicated on running the ball, has a quarterback that's learning the game, that's going to be the biggest struggle is making come from behind wins. And they were able to accomplish it against a good defense. So, you know, I think there are a lot of positives to take from through week two. Absolutely. So, Brad, appreciate your time here uh, to provide some additional insights from the folks over at Pro Football Focus. Let the people know, you know, some of the stuff that you're working on and what they can look forward to this year. Yeah, Falcons fans are going to love an article I have dropping tomorrow. Uh, it's looking at the biggest impact additions in free agency so far through two weeks. I think there's nine total players, and three of them are Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> we covered a couple of them today, so uh, so check that out. Some more of the stats and everything behind these great defensive additions. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter at PFF underscore Brad. Absolutely. So, guys, wrapping up today's episode, appreciate Brad Spielberger for his insights into these Atlanta Falcons. And of course, tomorrow we should be joined by Jarvis Davis to get some keys to victory and talk more about this Lions matchup and whatever silliness me and Jarvis get into at the end of the week. You guys know it. You love it. Some, you know, some of you guys don't like it. I, you know, I, I'm entertained by it. I hope you guys are entertained by it. I think the B 
people that love the Jarvis, me, I was going to use third person, mine and Jarvis uh, episodes, enjoy them thoroughly. So I think they outweigh the people that hate it. But um, that's in store for you on tomorrow's episode. Um, and make sure you uh, check out the subtext, right? I know this week we did not post any Twitter clips for the All-22 review, but the subtext subscribers did get an extended All-22 review where I broke down several of Desmond Ritter's uh, you know, good plays in the fourth quarter as well as breaking down some of my issues with the red zone play calling, uh, you know, getting that visual medium. And, of course, if you want to get access to the subtext, you can just hit the link in the description below. You'll get access to the week one, week two extended all 22 reviews. You'll get all the extended all 22 reviews moving further in perpetuity. Other features, I'm thinking about putting together a reel of uh, Matt Bergeron's first two games as well. So that will be another subtext exclusive, but it's also great to just get feedback uh, from you, me, you know, get my thoughts on various things that aren't necessarily worth, you know, a whole podcast that I can send out in one text message. You can ask specific questions that you want and get that one-on-one communication between me and you. If you just want to tell dad, dad jokes to me or whatever, Hey, I, I ain't against it. And you know, subtext is four ninety nine a month, but first two weeks are free. So 14 day free trial, basically try it, give it a try. If you like it, keep it. If you don't, Hey, you know, keep, keep it moving. I don't know. Anyway, guys, that's going to do it for us here. Continue to make lockdown Falcons your first listen. If you want to join the subtext link in the description below, appreciate you guys for your second listen. Make sure you check out the locked on NFL podcast. It's all part of locked on podcast network, your team every day.